Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Luxon MX. Luxon MX, not just another triple clamp company. This company not only has some of the most expertly designed triple clamps on the market, but they are engineered to push the limits of the status quo, redefine the status quo when it comes to great triple clamps, and they've got great components for the Lincoln system as well. Go to luxonmx.com, go check it out. Extremely great website that allows you to peruse everything that they have, tons of great information there, and that's going to help you make your decision when you time to make your purchase. What you do when you make your purchase is you enter discount code BIGMX at checkout, and that's going to save you 10% on every purchase that you make with Luxon MX. Go check it out, guys. Really appreciate it. Everybody over at Luxon MX is extremely educated when it comes to engineering the most premium products made for your bike. And uh, yeah, you can save some money with Big MX at checkout. Save yourself 10%. Also on board with us, WSA. John Anderson, Kristen Anderson over at WSA, they create some of the best looking wheel sets in America. And they don't just look good. They perform well on top of that. They're super strong, super lightweight, and made with some of the best components under the sun. So go check those guys out. Also on board with us is Guts Racing. Seat bases, seat foam, and those awesome seat covers. Heck, buy yourself a couple so that you can interchange them. They have those Velcro attachable seat covers that are super handy that's going to allow you to uh, change the, the way your bike looks as well as not just put so much wear and tear on one seat cover so go ahead and do that save yourself 20 percent with big mx 20 at checkout big mx 15 saves you 15 percent off every single purchase at phoenix handlebars go check those guys out they do amazing work they've got great handlebars and they want to save you some money on top of that so that's just a next another feather in your cap you're saving money you're getting things done and uh, once you're done riding you've probably worked up an appetite so get in the kitchen break out the pots and pans and if you're looking to add a little bit of extra spice make sure that you add some heartbeat hot sauce to the mix and uh, yeah it's going to add a little bit of extra zing uh, hot sauce and spicy foods drops your metabolism. So you're already working hard on the track. You might as well be working hard off the track as well. Add that to your meal prep or your breakfast, whatever, what have you, and you're going to be loving life. All right, guys, let's get on to the podcast with none other than Sam Morton from SKDA Graphics. In progress. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Racetech. Racetech gold valves, basically a revalve in a box. Don't believe me? Call them up, mention Big MX Radio, and you can save. This episode is also brought to you by SKDA Graphics. Honestly, look on the internet, tip to tail, back to front. You're not going to find a better looking kit on a higher quality piece of vinyl. And uh, your bike's going to be looking good. You'll be turning heads with both your lap times and beautiful looking motorcycle. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, someone that I've been trying to get a podcast going with for quite some time. He's pretty elusive, but also he's on the other side of the world, so the the time zones don't always match up. Uh, He's eating breakfast. I'm digesting lunch. Uh, So he's, he's actually living in the future right now. Sam Morton from SKDA Graphics. Sam Morton, how's it going? Good, man. Well, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you so much for making time for it. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of what makes SKDA one of the most progressive and interesting motocross brands that's come out in the last 10 years, really sort of changing the landscape and really like changing the game and really upping the quality of graphics across the entire sphere. Um, let's get to know uh, Sam Morton a little bit. Um, like what's your background in the sport? What made you want to enter this space A rather competitive one? And uh, yeah, you, you've added to that, my friend. Yeah. Cheers, man. Cheers. Uh, I am just another dirt bike fan, dude. Um, I grew up racing bikes, uh, loved it, wanted to lay down fast lap times and have my bike look good, just like you said. Yeah, that's what it's all about. How, like, uh, you you want to look look pro, go slow. As far as uh, I guess when it, when it comes to me, uh, I do try and drop my lap times here and there, and that's why I call up uh, companies like uh, Race Tech to get the the bike handling better. But um, like, you grew up in in what area of Australia? Uh, who who did who did you look up to? And uh, uh, were are there anyone who eventually made it to the big time that you used to trade paint with? Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in. Adelaide, which is the capital city of South Australia. Uh, it's a small little town here. Not much happens. It's a capital city, but it's a tiny city in relation to anywhere else I've been in the world, which is awesome. I love it that way. It's super calm and the sports scene's really small here. Everybody knows everybody, um, which is good and bad, as, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, I grew up racing lower grades. I only started racing when I was 12, uh, Raced C grade through B grade, hit A grade, and when I was about sort of 17, 18. Uh, but at that point, realized I was never going to get anything further than that. It was really just a fun hobby that I spent a bit of time in. Um, we didn't really have, like, obviously, the Australians that you guys are aware of that are famous are the Reeds and the Lawrences and these guys. No one like that was ever in round racing when I was, especially not in South Australia. We've had a few quick people come out of our state, but only on a national level, nothing, every anything more serious than that um so the best thing to come out of south australian motocross is nothing that you guys would be aware of really fair enough well th there must be an echo in here or something or maybe that you're living in this like alternate universe on the other side of the country or the other side of the world that's basically the exact off the same as this situation that i'm in started racing at 12 years old never all that good eventually got told that i'm probably not going to make it to the pros and I don't know if you've ever looked of where Winnipeg is on the map, but uh, I'm about 13 hours away from anything significant, even Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is the the next closest metropolitan city that uh, that is 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 of note. Uh, and yeah, no, the the only uh, decent rider that's come out of here in the last little while is uh, is Ryder McNabb, although he really has sort of put this area on the map, but that's only in very very recent history. Um, sure. So for you the the graphic company uh you must have ad, at, at first had sort of a, a flair for design to begin with or or, or yeah. in, even just like you were able to sort of like imagine what you wanted to have a different company make and sometimes when that happens if you're if you if another company isn't able to to make what you want to have or they're not able to produce what you're like your bring your ideas to fruition you end up going and making it yourself how does that story unfold for you yeah, pretty similar, man. Like it's almost exactly what you pointed out. Um, I was just a customer of the sport, always put a bit of effort into having the latest gear and looking the coolest because that's what you do in our game, um, yep. which is the reason that companies like us can exist. Uh, 
I, there was a specific kit that Troy Lee had for my bike that I saw in the net that it just blew me away. I thought it was unreal. Um, and although I wanted to run a very similar look, there were some really specific design changes I had in mind that I wanted to make to the design. I didn't want to just get that kit. I wanted something similar but different. Um, so I went to a graphics company that was around here at the time uh, and took them my ideas, tried to have them recreate it, and they couldn't get it quite the way that I wanted in my head. Um, I was an artistic kid. I always drew heaps of pictures and screwed around on the computer a lot. Like I was quite analytical and just really enjoyed that side of things personally. So when I was having some issues trying to communicate this design over to the company that I was working with, I ended up just jumping onto Publisher, which was the program I was using at the time for everything that I did. I was quite savvy on it. So I went on there and drew up on there using the tools that that software has, the adjustments that I wanted to make to the design. Handed that over to the graphics company. They then made those adjustments and put it on the bike. So essentially, I, I laid out the kit again in Publisher and made the changes myself and showed it to them, which they then recreated and printed and gave it to me, right? Um, and again, the intent of that was only ever to run it on my bike, nothing more than that. Uh, and within a few weeks of running that at the track, I was really proud of it. I was showing all my friends. I had a couple of friends sort of said, hey, man, the design looks sweet. Like, do you reckon you could jump on Publisher and design a kit up for me? Which obviously I did. Uh, took it to the printer company, got them to print it. And before you know it, I, I made the realization that if I wanted to do a cool little side gig here and turn it into something sweet, I had an opportunity pretty much lying in front of me. Well, there you go. Getting some mileage, uh, doing own, obviously your own kits as well as some of the uh, kits for your mates. Uh, some of the uh, the experience needed to sort of discover that, yes, you do have some talent for it, as well as uh, a lot of times uh, when it comes to like, um, getting the mileage to be able to um, learn how to do something new. You might end up having to do it for free. You might not ha get paid for it right off the hop, but that experience is what allows you to sort of hone the skills necessary to eventually be able to charge for it. Um, like that must've been a pretty exciting experience for you in, in being able to sort of uh, decide, yeah, I might be able to turn this into a business. Yeah, it was unreal. And I think that like, it's really important that, people that come up with an idea or a concept, especially in our sport, right? Like it's such a tiny little game to imagine yourself reaching any level of success in time inside this tiny industry is hard, you know, like it's, it's so full. There's so many competitors, rah, 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 even in graphics, but I'm just talking the whole industry. It's such a title and thing. Um, but I think it's important to note that like when I started out, especially then, obviously it was just a hobby. I never had any bigger intentions for the first six months or so. It was really just a bit of a game on the side. Like I was shocking, man. Like my design skills were horrible. The stuff looked terrible in comparison to anything that we do nowadays. Um, I don't think that I would ever have called myself at that time a good designer. But I also don't think the reason people were coming to me was because of good design. It was because of the fact that I provided a caring service. People knew who I was. People were sort of fired up by seeing that I was this young kid having a crack and they wanted to give me an opportunity. Um, and I think that that is relevant and important for people to keep in mind. Like you don't, no one, like Nike's first shoe wasn't incredible. You know, like no one just walks in with an amazing product. It takes time to hone, but honestly, sometimes just backing yourself in and giving it a crack and putting in a hundred percent, people will see that you're putting in a hundred percent. And that is sometimes all it takes for someone to give you an opportunity, which can then turn into something if everything falls into place. 
Oh, you're preaching to the choir, my friend. This being episode 910 of the Big MX Radio podcast. And um, I leave the old episodes up there. They're not beautiful. They're not uh, polished. But I leave them there for a lot of reasons. A, because there there is some still some good information there. But it is also a constant reminder of where I've come from. And yeah, the the, the rawness of literally just having a microphone in the middle of a room, uh, hoping to get like equal volumes out of two per- people talking in front of a, a, a coffee table uh for my first episode ever in somebody's living room and 900 episodes later uh i've carved out my own little spot within the industry and um at, at first like my my goals were so small or i didn't really even have goals i just wanted to like make cool stuff and, and i think that sort of like resonates exactly with with what you just said uh give yeah. yourself the opportunity to just go out there work at it and sort of just put your head down and when you pop your head back back up again you might see how far you've come yeah, dude. yeah, exactly right. hundred percent. And you just, you're never going to know if you don't give it a crack. Like you can't compare yourself to the one industries of the world, which is what I was doing at that stage. Like, it's just unrealistic. So don't worry about that. Like give it a crack, get into it. And if you see an opportunity for you to be able to take another step then take another step and you, you don't know where you're going to end up. For sure. Like as, as much as you can emulate a, a one industries, you don't want to be one industries. You want to be SKDA graphics and whatever that is to, to sort of evolve to. Uh, so the next question is, how did you get to where you're at right now? How did the company um, sort of evolve and, and start to um, sort of create what, what it's become? And also, like, what are the sort of the hallmarks of the business, whether it becomes like uh, good customer service, eye-catching graphics, great materials, or is it all those things come together at once? Sure, sure. Uh, I think that, I think that, 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 that there's those two questions can relate almost directly in our case. So, after a few months of after I started the business, right? So I get, I said it was a hobby. It was unintentional, just having a bit of fun, utilizing some skills and a passion that I had being art and uh, design and motorbikes and computers, right? Um, I was at a time in my life where I was bouncing between meaningless jobs for some income to pay rent. Um, but I n- didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't have a career path yet. Uh, and that the success and the traction that we started to see, obviously on an extremely small scale. But when we started, I I started to see some level of consistency in what I was doing within the graphics. I decided that, you know what, I reckon this is an opportunity. I can turn this into something cool. A few more months with that in mind, starting to build that idea out and putting some emphasis behind it. And there was a stage that I decided to just commit like completely, 100%, right? So I I said, all right, look, this is going to be it. This is it. This is my future. This is what I'm going to do. Um, I can make this into something cool. I can make this into something successful. I'm just going to put 110% into putting everything I have physically into this to make it work. Um, And at that same stage, I decided that, like, it wasn't, I wasn't deciding to give it a go. I, 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 in my head, completely came to the salute, like, end solution that this was going to be it i wasn't going to let it not work i was going to make this thing into something awesome and absolutely nothing on the earth was going to stop me doing that um 100 dedication and commitment 
And that sort of answers both questions in some way, right? So like essentially that's what has led me to here. Obviously there's a long form bullshit story about the peaks and troughs and the cool things that happened and the bad things that happened and the problems that I encountered and how I got around them, which are all relevant. But at the end of the day, the reason that I was able to overcome those things, the reason that I was able to push through diversity and the bullshit and everything else that came my way was because of the fact that I literally decided that absolutely nothing was ever going to stop me reaching the goal that I had, which was to become one of the biggest and best graphics companies in the world, right? Um, and that then leads into the second point. Like, I think that our point of difference now is the fact that, yeah, we have, I do think we have really good customer service. I hear that a lot from our customers. Um, we genuinely care. Um, we want to make your bike look sick. If a customer's not satisfied, we'll do everything we can to solve it. Uh, I also think that our our perspective on design is quite unique and different and makes us stand out, which is awesome. I love that. I think it's a really cool feature of our company. Um, product quality is good, uh, all these other things. However, I think that the reason that our company is, has seen success is continuing to see that, is continuing to get traction, is continuing to grow is because of the fact that I'm still at the helm and I have this unwavering push of reaching the pinnacle of the sport in our area um, and nothing's going to stop me getting there so every decision that I make every move that we make every ad that we put out every design we do it, it goes through my filter of seeking 100% perfection and 100% best result in every single case um, and I don't think that that's something that is a quality of every company that we compete with every company in the world it's not something that everyone can get that 100% dedication to making sure that everything goes through the way that it should. Absolutely. It's perseverance in the face of adversity. And, and that is a recipe for success, regardless uh, of what you're, you're going after, whether it's a new fitness regime or creating one of uh, the most iconic uh, graphic companies of this modern era. Um, you're working with a lot of teams uh, over here in, uh, in the States, as well as uh, down under as well. Uh, working with Cl uh, Club Club uh, Club Yamaha as well as uh, Hep Suzuki guys, uh, how do you build those relationships um, and, and and sort of take over for the a team look uh, that has become uh, pretty iconic when the when the club bikes are out on the track or when the the Hep Suzukis go racing by? Um, it's pretty easy to tell what they are. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, it and. It's tricky because it's really hard to put my finger on exactly what that is. Like, I, I agree that we have a unique style in our design. Um, and I have a un I agree that we have, we try and keep things very clean and professional and unique, but it's, it's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what exactly it is that makes our looks different. Like, I think that whenever I put my fingers on a design or one of our product designers here put out their fingers on something, it ends up coming out with the flavor of what we do. Um, but I don't know exactly what it is. It's just something that is carrying our company quite well in that area. So I'm, I'm stoked about it, but I can't tell you exactly what it is. Um, the relationships with teams are awesome. They're hard work, man. Uh, they really are. It's it's tough to maintain the relationships with these teams, not because, not intentionally on their part. It's just a difficult thing to be involved with, right? They're super demanding. They need a lot of staff. They need it last minute. They have a lot of pressure. They need you to perform for them in order to maintain the level of look that the team has and the service that they require. Like it's, it's hard yakka. It's not a simple thing to do. Absolutely. And one of the things that you guys, uh, I think, I don't know if you specialize in or something, but I think that like a product line 
uh, the product lines that I think stand out the most for you guys is basically the semi-custom look that like uh, you guys have some some baseline graphics that people can sort of build off of to create their own something special. And it's a combination of hard, clean lines. And in a lot of ways, it sort of reminds me of like uh, the way, I, I, it, not in a cartoon way, but like the way certain comics are just drawn certain ways. Like if you saw a uh, Charlie Brown uh uh, cartoon strip you know exactly what it is before you even like look through the cartoon you know exactly who drew it and and that's mm. basically the same communication that you guys have through your graphics it's, it's unmistakable and like you said i don't quite know what it is but it's almost like a it's a visual signature that you guys have um that you've been able to continue and, and sort of build off of um how popular are those semi-custom graphic kits uh how wild can some people get with the stuff obviously you guys go full custom stuff as well um mm. but that semi-custom look uh is, is pretty popular for you yeah, sure. It's a business model that is now adopted by most graphics companies globally. You know, like at the end of the day, because of the way the internet works and the way you can get things rendered up and proofs, et cetera, instead of having customers come to you with a blank idea every time and building something from scratch, we have, as again, the entire graphics universe now is built out that most companies have a huge online range that people can go on, use as a starting point, and then adjust from there. As you said, semi-custom rather than one-off. Um, it's a much more efficient way to do things. It's obviously a lot less labor-intensive for the graphics company, um, a lot more efficient for the customer, which keeps the costs down. Uh, and at the end of the day, companies like ours spend their entire lives coming up with creative and cool concepts and and making them as accurate and and stunning as physically possible so rather than starting from scratch every time and coming up with something that sometimes looks cool and sometimes doesn't it's we have a full range that we know looks incredible uh, and we give the customer the opportunity to adjust that uh, it's just a more efficient way to do things i think absolutely i, I often think of it as uh, like i'm the bricklayer i'll take care of the bricks you guys are the designers i'll let you guys can take care of the design work and things usually work out that way um mm -hmm. like You've worked with, I'm sure, thousands of kits over the years. Are there anyone specifically that sticks out in your mind that when you think of a SKDA graphic that would just like that one hit the mark right on the head? Is there one specific or or even like in the last little while it sort of rounded into form? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, in about 2016, 2017, um, we released a specific diet design that we called the Divide series. So it was a really iconic, clean, neat-looking design that we made available for all the models. We changed the colors accordingly, of course. Um, and it was super, super, super clean, super basic and super unique. And no one had really done anything quite like that before um, at that stage specifically. So that was, I think, our coming out uh, and becoming really well-known for this clean design style. Like before that our designs were obviously always skewed to have a little bit of flavor that was my own however um similar sort of stuff to what everyone was doing i think it was at about that stage that we i realized that there was an opportunity to pivot slightly do something that no one else was doing and it was such a unique look at that time that it was unmistakable and no one could do anything similar without it being easily identified as a replica of something that we were doing and um, so it was a really cool way to put ourselves in the map and completely remove ourselves from the other companies and be like we're doing something unique and no one else had 
which was really, really cool. Like it gave us the ability to, yeah, stand out like a sore thumb. Uh, and it was obviously received really well. Everybody loved it. It started selling like crazy. And I mean, what are we now? Six years on, seven years on from that. And it's still quite a popular design that we sell. Most of our designs we refresh, like we, every quarter we get rid of the 20% of designs we don't sell anymore and add 20% new ones. Um, but that is something that is continuously polling in one of our best-selling kits and continuing to do so, which is awesome. It's cool that we were able to create something that's so timeless um, within a sport where things change so rapidly, right? Absolutely, especially when it comes to uh, the design world. Things is kind of always um, evolving. And uh, here's mm. an opportunity for all those currently watching on YouTube or listening on the Big MX Radio uh, podcast network on iTunes or Spotify. I'm going to drop this in right now into the podcast. And if you're listening to this, what you need to do is email Brad Gebhardt at gmail, Brad Gebhardt 88 at gmail.com or leave a comment on the YouTube channel. Plead your case. This is your opportunity to give me, tell me why you guys need a full kit from SKDA Graphics. And we're going to give you a $100 gift certificate to the most convincing story on the on the YouTube comments. Or if you email me, bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. We'll uh, uh, giveaway right here in the middle of the podcast. Would love to hear some feedback from people and get them excited to get a brand new look for their motocross bike. How's that sound, Sam? Yeah, awesome, man. I love it. Right on, man. So um, the graphic company is, is firing all cylinders. Uh, you guys can't keep the stuff on the shelves. And then people come, uh, people like me come at you with some uh, some custom uh, requests all the time. Um, aside from that, do you still ride a motorcycle here and there? And what what is the, uh, the local motocross scene uh, like in uh, Australia? Basically feels like a world away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do rarely, but I do. I have a daughter now. She's 18 months old. Um, so I obviously Congrats. spend a lot of time here at work and a lot of time at home being dad and doing family stuff. However, you know, when I can once every month or so, I'll get out on the bike. Um, I obviously still have skills from the days I was racing, which means I can go out and have a good time without hurting myself, which is awesome. Um, the, I live in South Australia. The The riding scene in South Australia isn't fantastic, honestly. It's it's okay. Like there's places to go. There's a few tracks that do a really good job, um, motocross tracks, but there's not heaps of very good trails. There's not heaps of places that you can legally ride. Like it's not a fantastic spot for that. Uh, Victoria, which is the next state over, is unreal. Like the riding over there, the dirt over there, and the tracks over there are incredible. So um, when I was a bit younger, I spent a lot of time traveling over there. I actually spent a year living over there as well. And it's like, it's a really, really cool place to ride. It, it's, it's, you know, it kills South Australia in comparison from, again, in my own opinion. Fair enough. How often are you riding and just like happen to have like, you have to like dodge uh, kangaroos or a wallaby? <laughs> no, nah, none of that, man. Uh, there's plenty around, especially where I live. They're <laughs> everywhere, but uh, yeah, they, they don't come near it. It's just convenient. Fair enough. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk World Supercross. Um, obviously, the the whole gang uh, down there they they're like basically this was sort of born from the AusX Open. Uh, I think you're pretty close with those guys. Uh, what were your thoughts on their inaugural season and working with that uh, that program moving forward? Yeah, I think it's really cool, man. Honestly, I'm a big fan. I think it's awesome. Um, like I said, I've known Adam Bailey, who's one of the you know owners of the thing, one of the runners of the thing. I've known him for a long time. He actually coached me how to ride when I was a kid. 
Um, so I've known That's him awesome. for yeah, 20 years or something. Um, and he's a really, really good dude who's working his ass off and doing a good job. I'm impressed by what he's got going on, uh, as is everybody, obviously. Uh, I think it's really, really cool. They did a good job with their pilot season. They've obviously had a bunch of practice because of the Oz Open and stuff, like you said. Uh, they know what they're doing and they put on a really cool show. I, The most awesome thing about it for me, from my perspective, is just the ability for more of the world to see the live version of this sport, right? Like I, I'm in a massively fortunate position where I've been able to travel to the US now multiple times and see the races over there. And it's unbelievable. Like for a kid like me from Australia who would never have an opportunity to see that sort of stuff, going over there and seeing it in the US was unreal. But the Australian equivalent and the you know World Supercross equivalent is 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 awesome, man. Like they do an absolutely unreal job, and it means that young kids and even you know adults like me that just don't have the opportunity to get themselves over to the US now have the ability to see the live version of the sport and see some of the superheroes of our sport and the pro riders and the amazing teams and setups that they have in the flesh, which is just incredible. I think it's I think it's awesome. I don't think it needs to ever excuse me, be pitted against the AMA Supercross. That thing has its own place. But, totally. you know, as a separate series, that means that more of the world gets to see the live version of this thing. I think it's an absolutely beautiful concept, and I really hope they continue kicking goals. Absolutely. I, I echo that on a podcast I did recently. It's it's more racing. It gives us more more like more eyeballs on the sport, more time to talk about and analyze the sport, uh, and more opportunities for like you as well as I know, there are only so many spots at the very pinnacle of this sport. So if we can create another series that creates more top spots within the sport and celebrate racing all over the world. That's a good thing. And it creates more content for me to uh, talk about. And like, I always think of it as like, I would love to go see a premier league soccer game or a rugby Mm. game down in Australia, but I'd have to travel great distances to do it. But what Mm. if that came to me? What if that could Mm. go into my own backyard and, and, if it was an, an annual thing or just came once a year there, I wouldn't let that slip through my fingers. Not one time to be able to see something like that. So uh, mm-hmm. for Supercross, I'm, I'm sure like people love Supercross in the States and I love it too. I go to those races and I absolutely love it. It's amazing. But if we could share that with the world and then also mm-hmm. add some interesting bits that, uh, that Adam and his team have uh, brought on um, like the drone cams and the, the music side of things really turn it into a, like a, an event, uh, like a full all, encompassing experience and entertainment that's just those are all just good things and i don't think it takes away from american supercross whatsoever yeah yeah i completely agree man everything you've said 100 awesome when are you riding next and when are you coming back know, to man. the states next we need to we need to twist the throttle get some throttle therapy the two of us man yeah of course yeah i don't know i, I hope i was over there recently uh, i came over for a1 Spent a few weeks over there, um, went to Disneyland and stuff like that with my family, which was cool. Uh, and then I had a bunch of people to meet and see over there from the industry. Uh, had mm-hmm. a really good time, actually. It was awesome. Uh, and I expect to come back again later this year. Um, I'm thinking about coming over right at the end of the year and going to one of these super motocross events. I think that would okay. be cool to see in the flesh. Uh, and I, the Club MX guys, I've been working with Club for three, four seasons now, four seasons, I think. Uh, and I've never been to their facility. So I thought, you know what, there's a there's a super motocross event over there. Um, so I might try and tee that up. I might try and come over at that time of year so I can go to the super motocross event. I can go down to club, borrow a bike from one of those guys over there and have a bit of a few laps around that that facility. I think it'll be a pretty cool experience. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think they would uh, think twice about loaning you a bike. Uh, Sam Morton here on the Big MX radio podcast brought to you by SKDA graphics. Um, last thing I have for you, Sam, is what's in a name? Why? What? What's what's SKDA? Yeah, sure. Uh, so when I first started the company, I was 18 years old, uh, motocross rider, thought everything was wicked. Uh, I called the company Sickness Design. So it was S-I-K-N-E-S-S, right? Because fully sick, obviously. Uh, and that was awesome, man. Like it was wicked. I was in a time in my life where that was completely suitable and it hit the demographic, which was kids my age perfectly. Uh, however, it didn't take too long for me to realize that in order to reach a wider demographic, I needed a more suitable name to be able to hit the older guys as well as the kids my age. Uh, so I needed to change the name. The logo was an S and a K already for the word sickness. So I just changed it to SK Designs because it made it a bit easier to, you know, hit a wider demographic, but it was an easy transition because of the logo was already an S and a K. Uh, and I named it SK Designs Australia at that stage uh, because of the fact that obviously we were actually not even national at that stage. We were only selling really local stuff, but it was a cool way to add a bit of flex to the name and make us look bigger than we were, right, which is obviously everyone's aim when they're starting the companies. Um, and that was cool. We ran that for a while. But then when we started hitting the US and we incorporated the company in the US, we named that SK Designs America fittingly. Uh, and therefore, the abbreviation for both companies is the letters SKDA. So we had, we created like a second persona at that stage, which was SKDA, which was just abbreviating the two companies. We made a logo for it. Uh, and that was just received really well. Like obviously SKDA rhymes when you say it. So it's pretty, although it's four letters, it flows off the tongue very pretty easily. Uh, the branding was really, really well made. Like it was super professional and clean, uh, really easy to identify from a long distance, um, super premium. Uh, and it just got received, yeah, really well. So we just ran with it, man. Like we were like, yeah, this works. And we just stuck with it. Um, even as you mentioned earlier, like sometimes because of the fact that we're not always talking about these things and on video, people can make their own concept of how to pronounce the name. So sometimes people get it incorrect. But yeah, it's letter by letter, SKDA. Uh, and it's been, yeah, it's been awesome, man. We've had that identity identity now for, I think, yeah, six years, seven years, something like that. Um, and it's been awesome. We've, we're stoked with it. I'm not leaving it going anywhere. Fair enough, my friend. Well, Sam, I really appreciate the time today, uh, carving out a better part of a half hour to uh, talk about the brand, talk about some dirt bikes and uh, and get people sort of um, excited about SKDA graphics, whether they order it um, internationally and they're ordering it straight from Australia, or if you're here in Canada or the United States, it's coming straight from uh, the States, which is awesome, is quicker shipping and uh, you don't have to worry about, uh, yeah, like, like a lot of people they think to go uh, order something from uh, SKDA. It's going to come all the way from Australia. The shipping is going to be crazy. Not the case. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you guys distribute out of uh, the like central area like in Chicago or something like that? Uh, yeah. So for, to clarify that slightly. So we, the company is based in Australia. We're based here in South Australia. Right. Um, when an order comes through, the order fulfillment, the customer service, the design work, everything happens mainly from here. Um, however, then when an order is ready to be manufactured, like when a kit's ready to be printed, then that is when we do one of a few things, right? At the end of the day, the main manufacturing facility is still here in Australia. We have the equipment to do everything from here. Um, and until recently, 100% of our orders were being manufactured here and shipped to wherever they needed to be. 
Um, Canada is actually our third biggest region after the US and Australia for custom sales. Uh, but we shipping's really not that bad, man. So two-part story. We've recently opened up a facility in San Diego where we're going to be shipping a lot of the orders out of, which just means slightly increased speed delivery to the customers. However, um, there's still a majority of the orders at this stage that are coming out of Australia, and that is something that will continue somewhat for a long time. Um, shipping from Australia to any address in the US is usually about four days. Um, any address in Canada is usually five or six days. So it's really like it's it's not very long anyway, even from here. Um, we don't charge. Uh, we do free shipping for customers in the US and Canada over $100. We wear 100% of the import charges and taxes for all orders globally. So at the end of the day, regardless of where it's coming from, it's going to get you quick. You're never going to pay shipping. You're never going to get taxes. Um, we take responsibility for that entirely. Um, we do see a world where eventually we'll have a printing facility based in Canada. Um, we'll have a couple of them in the US, which will increase the speed of delivery for everybody. But even with that aside, the way that it sits currently, even if we do ship your order out of Australia, it's going to get to you fast. You're not going to get copped with crazy charges. Um, it'll come to you as quick or quicker than your local customer, sorry, your local graphics company regardless. Unreal, man. So what you're saying is a wallaby hits print, a koala bear packages it, sends it over either on a plane or a boat across the ocean, and then a Canadian grabs it, throws it on a dog sled, goes across the Canadian prairies, and straight to my front door at no extra charge. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. That is so awesome. Sam, this is so much fun. I really appreciate you making some time today for the Big MX Radio podcast, man. Yeah, likewise, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Awesome. Well, let's hang it up right there. This was great. Cheers, man.